Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. My name is Tim Birch and I've got a great guest to this week that, uh, you know, it, you know, sometimes you come across people uh, by accident and uh, just happened across this young lady on LinkedIn and uh, her story was fascinating to me that uh, starting out as uh, a GIS professional and migrated into the surveying world. I'd like to introduce uh, Miss Cassandra Quintal. Is that did I pronounce that right, Quintal? Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's from the great state of Maine. So, Cassandra, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll delve into the whole GIS into surveying perspective. Sure. Thanks, Tim, for inviting me on. Uh, it's kind of an interesting opportunity and something I uh, think is important in conveying the message for surveying and GIS. Uh, I came into surveying with a slightly different perspective, as you said. Uh, my first official education uh, was in uh, geographic information systems. That's kind of where I built an understanding for uh, database systems, uh, the design and management of geographic, uh, like large data sets. Uh, I was also always uh, really in tune with uh, direction or having like a good spatial awareness. I remember when I was a kid, I was always in charge of navigation, like when we went on road trips. And that was before the age of GPS and we had paper maps and whatnot. I kind of was always in tune with that. Uh, I guess going back, I was first introduced to a surveyor when I was six years old. Uh, my dad had hired one to survey the land that we lived on, it was about 130 acres in central Maine, all wooded. And I vividly remember walking through the woods with the surveyors, searching for monuments and thinking as a six-year-old that this guy was paid to walk through the woods and find like lost treasures. And that was fascinating. That is, <laughs> that cool. really, that is cool. really cool. I, I, yeah, that, that's, 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 it's interesting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, going through school, everybody, nobody knew what surveying was, kind of was forgotten, put on put on the wayside. Um, I went and got my undergrad from the University of Maine at Farmington in business economics, kind of just a really generic thing. Um, however, when I was in uh, school, I started working for an attorney, uh, Paul Mills, who's a, a transaction attorney. He does primarily real estate and probate, and I did all of his abstract work at the Registry of Deeds. So he taught me how to read deeds and understand like chain of title, and I really um, got a lot from that uh, attorney's perspective on, on the title chains. But again, the surveying aspect never really clicked yet. Like I hadn't understood that that's kind of where I needed to go. Uh, 
Um, I started my graduate work in community planning and development, and I took a class in GIS, and I fell in love with it. And that whole spatial analysis and the spatial awareness and being able to apply that and, you know, make maps and, uh, you know, inform people, uh, I thought that was great. And I received my uh, master's in GIS in 2013. But I didn't receive my PLS or my GISP until last year. So it took quite a long time to be able to build up the knowledge and experience it needed to, to get into the, the licensure. But. Okay. Uh, what did you do with your, your GIS degree after, after you, you were finished up with your, with your educational part? Did you, did you jump right into, into, a, into a, a role somewhere in GIS? Yeah, I started working for Blue Marble Geographics in Hollowell, Maine, uh, and that was a great experience. I learned a lot about the data management side. Um, while I was working there, I helped with a lot of the troubleshooting aspects of it, and I learned about uh, the fundamentals of software and GIS. But more importantly, I learned a lot about projections, datums, uh, data transformations through um, they have a geographic calculator. So the really foundations or understandings of projections uh, really hit home when I started working at uh, Blue Marble Geographics. Sure. And with, uh, a little shout out to Patrick Cunningham, uh, an industry partner. Uh, been around for, yep. for a while and they put out some great tools. So uh, it's great to hear that one of his employees that really did this, that was involved in this, figured out uh, really about her love of surveying through through the technical side. I mean, let's let's be honest. That's okay. So I'm seeing pieces here. I'm seeing title stuff. Well, I'm seeing traipsing through the woods as a kid. I'm seeing title stuff <laughs> in college. I'm seeing GIS now. Yep. This is all the makings of. Uh, uh, it's almost like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie of making of a the perfect a perfect <laughs> surveyor. Um, so, so what took you from GIS and really pushed you into wanting to get your PLS and go down the surveying path? Sure. So when I was working at Blue Marble, we always talked about making maps and I always, I was helping people understand and construct their own maps and I wanted to make maps, uh, sitting behind a desk all day, you know, answering emails or using, uh, software and programming. It was great, but my calling was definitely uh, to be outside. I needed a job where I could get out and move around. And I realized that I wanted to make maps rather than talk about making maps. Uh, so after I kind of came to that realization, I started uh, taking classes in surveying and I began working at a civil engineering firm in South Portland uh, called Tobago Technics. Uh, which is an outstanding firm. They have uh, a big engineering aspect. Uh, they, ha uh, they have environmental surveying, transportation. Uh, so I worked there for uh, about seven years and I got a great foundation on surveying. So Sebago Technics had some pretty large, um, well-to-do clients, some excellent projects and I got a diversity of work experience for field work, office work, and a firm understanding of what an engineer needs within a plan. So what type of information they really are striving for 
to make the best designs that they can. Okay, so you've now thrown in another aspect of working, and that's you know, and that's and that's something I think sometimes the big firms versus a smaller, I'll call a mom and pop firm that really does basic land surveying. I think that sometimes it's the education you get at a big firm like that. You see so many different products, so many different aspects of surveying that you do need the topographic surveys. You do need the drainage studies. You do need all of this other stuff that's necessary to go along with the engineering of some of these things. So, yeah, so now you've added more experience to, to this to this package you're putting together as the perfect surveyor. Uh, so where, where does that lead you to today? Where, what, uh, what's going on with Cassandra today? All right, so I'm working for SurveyWorks in Auburn, Maine, which is a much smaller firm. There's six of us here. Um, the gentleman that's running it, I actually met through the Young Surveyors group. And way back when I, uh, I've always been interested in working for this company, it's right in my region. Um, I'm kind of a local girl. I wanted to stay and work basically within my own neighborhood and kind of help out and benefit my community where I live. Um, Sebago Technics, though, they were great. It was 100 miles from my house, and it was quite a long trip. And I knew if I started working at SurveyWorks, I would have the opportunity to make more of an impression um, and kind of direct my own path, if you will. Um, so I, um, so I'm here at SurveyWorks. It's um, it's great. So there's two of us that do a lot of our heavy lifting, uh, myself and Jim Corburn. Uh, the company has been around for about 30 years. It was started by Jim's father way back in the day, um, who's still around and definitely still helps us out a lot. Nice. Uh, but we're really positioning the company to move forward in the digital aspects and um, moving kind of away from the typical two-dimensional paper maps, uh, the basic lines, and providing products in uh, like the digital realm, the, the more of the GIS uh, side of things. It's, it's so it's interesting you bring that up because you know that's part of what I think the surveying profession and this is something NSPS is trying to, to help with this as, as well. You're seeing because of your experiences earlier in your career with GIS, you're seeing stuff more digital, bigger, 3D, geospatial. Can, can you put in kind of in your own words how important it's going to be for the profession to embrace GIS and really be able to look at look at data in a different way than just lines on a map and how, where where does the sure. profession need to go as far as looking at these data sets absolutely yeah when somebody sees like my credentials or my resume the most common question i get asked is basically like what's the difference between gis and surveying or how can a surveyor leverage gis and what i usually come back with is um, it requires two separate data sets. So the GIS was created as like, a, it was created when the computers came around, right? It was, it's completely information systems based. Um, it was derived originally for large data sets, um, uh, using, finding, uh, analyzing different patterns. It had a lot of uh, social, and, or it has a lot of social and economic indicators for it. And it's really derived at kind of like a, a macro scale, if you will. Whereas the surveyor works 
at a micro scale. I mean, we're looking at individual pieces of property. We're measuring to, you know, the tenths, sometimes thousands of a foot, depending on our, our tasks. Whereas the GIS profession, it's, um, though it can handle that data set, it was designed more as um, analyzing patterns and being able to visualize or um, communicate that sort of data. So the surveyor, we are required to know boundary law. Um, we're doing land measurements and documentation and a lot of like the legal aspect and GIS is the computer side. And those are two really distinctively different data sets. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily doing the surveying profession a lot of justice to expect a surveyor to be able to do all of those things. I mean, we specialize in uh, solving boundaries or specialize in navigating uh, government regulations and permitting, or we specialize in creating digital representations of the physical earth. And um, I personally think that people should, or surveyors should focus their attention or their skills onto the things that they do best. So some surveyors know and understand and can read this, the boundaries and the legal side, um, all of these old deeds and references. Um, and then some surveyors can navigate computer programming and uh, really dig into some data sets and, and whatnot. Uh, so I do think there is a distinction between these two professions. But I, um, I think it's going to be really important for surveyors to um, stay relevant in this digital world. Now, we're experts at applying law to history and accurately transferring data to and from the surface of the Earth. Uh, whereas we have some of the best equipment. We're using lasers to locate, you know, ancient lost ruins, if you will, almost like Indiana Jones. Um, so surveyors really need to focus on the on-the-ground accuracy um, and potentially to be able to uh, distinguish us, we might need uh, national licensing or different levels to indicate what we specialize in. I think asking a young person to come into this profession and say, you need to master boundary law, you need to master computer programming, you need to master uh, government regulations, that's a pretty daunting task. Um, and being able to say, I'm gonna work on altas and I'm gonna be really good at altas and that's what I'm gonna focus on as opposed to being like, I'm gonna create large data sets for uh, organizations to manage their assets with. That's another whole, you know, uh, realm of, of knowledge and expertise. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I guess my philosophy, and I'm, I think what, what I'm hearing as well, is that it's very important for the surveyor to have some, have some knowledge of GIS. You know, and that's the one thing that I think I always relate back to is, especially when we're talking about um, larger data, larger data sets, larger uh, GIS um, really places um, that parcel layer, that cadastral <laughs> layer, that uh, control layer. That's really something that I mean to me. That's something that, like you just said, that's at the micro level. That's at the ground level that the surveyor should be interested in. And 
have significant input in, whereas at the 30,000 foot layer with all of these data sets and all of this, this information, like you said, to be able to manage and to analyze and to detect patterns and various things, absolutely, that's, that's really more hardcore GIS, um, but it has yeah. to work in concert altogether. So it's, it's very important that the, the surveyor understand really how this whole thing works. Yeah, absolutely. At a, a property scale, uh, GIS is kind of limited in benefits. There's some key data sets, like you said, there's the parcel layer, I mean, there's flooding and zoning, and there's there's a bunch of things that we can apply as a surveyor to, to a, like a parcel scale kind of map. But I think uh, some of the most long-term benefits or values of um, integrating GIS and surveying, uh, one of the things is having being able for survey firms to manage and organize all of their projects together. So they take their data sets from, from all these different projects and put them into a central database that they can search and query and advance uh, the profession as a way to be able to communicate that information. I mean, back in the day, surveyors worked on assumed systems. I mean, and we didn't even use the same unit of measurement a lot of times, um, but now we're all Kind of forced to be on a, the the grid, the same grid depending on what state you're in or whatnot. But now all of this data is we have the opportunity to intertwine it together. Um, you know, I'm sure we've all come into circumstances where we look at two different plans from a hundred years ago and you put them together and they don't match. Um, but at that point in time, they don't. They there wasn't a way for us to connect all this data together. Right. Um, but GIS is a great tool and an appropriate use to be able to try um, to integrate all of our individual data sets into something a, a larger uh, a larger queue that we can manage. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to take a step back for a second and talk about a little bit more of your surveying uh, and and things you've gotten into. If you had to pick something that you, I mean, if somebody said, I want you to go out and do your favorite surveying task today, what would it be? What, what do you <laughs> just, when, when you get that job and it's this particular task, you go, wow, it's going to be a great day. All right. So I love surveying large parcels of land. So send me out into uh, the hundred acre woods and I'll wander around looking for the old rebar and that old fence line and I that's what I love. I, I want to be out in the woods. I want to be in the middle of nowhere. And that's something I get here in Maine quite a bit. Um, that's uh, that's really where I'm the most happy. Uh, however, the jobs that I'm able to apply all of my skills and kind of have a more fulfilling aspect. Um, one of the jobs I worked on was for Colby College and I surveyed their entire campus. Um, everything above ground, below ground. I even counted and inventoried all of their trees, which came out to be over uh, 6,000 trees. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> so that data set, so that was collected over like a four year period. And I was able to apply that into GIS because it's a large campus. So then they can inventory all of their catch basins, um, all of their inverts, their building footprints, I mean, I was collecting information like uh, how high up their windowsills were on all of their buildings so they knew the height of plants they could plant underneath it without obscuring their windows. So it was a really high detail uh, type survey. And the benefits from that 
were like really fulfilling for me because I knew that that data can be used not only for like a two-dimensional you know PDF or plan that you can give to engineers to design on, but they could also use it to query and inventory their assets. You know, they might be able to set up uh, replacement or repair schedules, or um, they're a zero or net zero campus as far as carbon and whatever trees that they needed to cut down for their expansion, they can replant in the future. One of the reasons why I had to collect all their trees. Um, so that that's a very fulfilling job and it allows me to use a lot of my uh, different skill sets. Um, but if, it, if, if you want to find me in my happy place, I'm out in the woods. Oh, good. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> yep. And uh, yes, uh, Maine sounds like a wonderful place to be for that. I got to I got to say when, when you're you were describing your project with the college, um, I'm I'm picturing in my mind, I mean, Typically, the term is usually thrown out there with urban types situations. But thinking of this college and your your task, I'm thinking digital twin, and the whole concept of you've now recreated a living, breathing model of this campus that they can use for, like you just said, windowsill heights, so they can <laughs> do their plants. I mean, that I, I for the life of me, I wouldn't have ever thought of that something, but that's that's falls definitely in a wheelhouse of what we measure so do you see more of this i mean the, this type of, of philosophy with digital twins i mean it you've used it is it really that beneficial in your opinion oh yes absolutely um it's that virtual world and the way our society is moving now everything is becoming virtual um, not only is it used or can be used for like management and um, planning and whatnot, uh, it can also be used potentially as a way for people to visit or tour the campus. Or um, we have some other tools. Another project I worked on was for a regional um, land association that does a lot of development, and they had a parcel of land they wanted some public input on. And with this COVID stuff, we they couldn't do site walks. They couldn't have public meetings. Uh, so I set up a virtual tour. And it's something you can access on the internet. And there's different like slides that you go through. And there's an interactive map. There's a statement from the organization. There, at the end, there was a survey to see like what uh, they wanted to have happen to that site and what would be an appropriate use. And we talked a lot about the restrictions, so the wetlands or the other um, encumbrances associated to the site. So that's an extremely relevant uh, use of surveying and GIS because we went out there and surveyed the parcel and the, the surveying aspect we used to collect all the relevant and valuable information about it. And then I applied that into a GIS system that people were able to interact with and learn about this property. And you know, it's almost like this virtual way to step in step onto a piece of land without ever having to go there. And I think nowadays that's a product that's going to be very relevant moving uh, forward. Good. Well, you know, and because i got to be honest with you, that what you just described is a, a real-world application, real-world thing that happened. Because w when we try to go in to talk to kids in schools, my, you know, one thing I, I, I think I get in trouble with a cup with often with parents is that I tell the kids, 
when mom and dad are yelling at you to get off that video game, quit, you know, with uh, all, all of their games, you know, real first-person games, that's what you just described. That's what you just created in a digital form was a real thing that uh, kids can be able to take that ability to see 3D on their screens with this data and they can make a career out of it. And uh, yep. so... Uh, yeah, the, that virtual aspect, you know, people putting on those goggles and having that three-dimensional like view or going into buildings. And as a surveyor, we have that technology to do the high-definition scanning and then to apply that into a, a realm that people can interact with essentially through the internet or other, you know, digital means. Um, and that's a huge overlap between GIS and surveying. Mm -hmm. The surveying side, you need that precision. Uh, you need the understanding of using that high technology, um, but then being able to, you know, code that essentially into a, uh, into a website or something that, you know, anybody can access. That's more of the GIS side. Um, and, like I said, those are two really technical and like high, um, I don't know, high value skills that um, we, I think we need to be able to distinguish and not expect everybody to know both sides of that. Exactly. Have experts that can apply, apply it. Very nice, very nice. Well, I do want to take a quick step back. Uh, something you mentioned earlier that, uh, you had some interaction with the main young surveyors group. How did yeah. you come across them? Did they, and uh, what was your interaction with with uh, with this group? Sure. So um, I've always tried to stay really involved in uh, networking or different types of like associations or groups or whatnot. Uh, when I started in the surveying field, I um, started going to chapter meetings. So we have regional chapters here, and uh, you know, I just tried to stay involved. I got, you know, interested in uh, MSLS, uh, the Maine Society of Land Surveyors, and quickly realized that I'm sitting in this room and I'm, you know, the youngest person, maybe the only female, and I knew that there's other people kind of like me out there that wasn't um, necessarily being represented at these, uh, in these groups. So the uh, MSLS actually convinced me to start the Maine Young Surveyors Group. Oh. Um, they, uh, there wasn't a group prior to that, and I did find or feel as though there was going to be some value in getting that organized. So I kind of stepped up and did some recruiting and got some people interested, and I started the group, uh, I think it was about three years ago now at least. Um, and it started out with just some basic meetings. Uh, study groups were really popular, so people trying to get their licensure, pass the tests. So I collected all kinds of resources and materials, and we would usually meet at a pub and sit around and do a little bit of studying. Um, another thing that I was able to get people really interested in was some of our outings. Um, the first major outing that we did was um, up Mount Katahdin. So I had reached out to uh, Maine DOT and got some information about um, when Mount Katahdin was originally traversed and when they originally set some of the discs up there. Um, and we wanted to go and find out <laughs> what the actual elevation of the mountain was. 
So there was 10 of us. It was a great showing. Um, and we hiked up some GPS equipment and we scheduled it so we could have a two hour observation um, up at the top. And <laughs> unfortunately, when we got up there, we realized that the disc, the benchmark that we wanted to use was under a seven foot tall pile of rocks, a Karen up there. <laughs> um, and <laughs> the authorities told us that we could not move the rocks. Uh, we weren't allowed to dismantle it, so we had to we had to take readings on uh, some of the reference marks up there, which isn't as as cool, but it still worked out, um, and it was a great hike. Uh, we found that the mountain is 5,268.8 feet tall, um, which is I think it was like uh, maybe a foot or so different from uh, the published height. Um, but again, we weren't on the actual benchmark, so what can we do? <laughs> but it was a great experience, and um, it was a, a good way for us to kind of get connected as the young surveyors. Uh, I hosted another uh, adventure, if you will, at um, Acadia National Park, and I called it the Mystery of the Cross. And I got contacted by a surveyor on Mount Desert Island in regards to um, when Acadia National Park was first established. Um, and there are some old survey monuments. Um, they refer to them as Greek crosses, and there are um, these X's carved into the granite ledge uh, with the with you know, two foot or uh, excuse me two inch uh, pipes that were I don't know probably about two feet tall right next to them, and they wanted to have uh, definitive locations on these markers. So we went around tromping all over uh, Cadillac Mountain looking for these X's and uh, we were able to find, I think, six of them. Uh, and again, it was another great experience um, and had some data that we could provide to another surveyor and um, get some you know, uh, more definitive uh, locations for some of these lost monuments. Uh, we've done a couple other adventures going up. Uh, we did some fire tower maps um, way back in the day. They used to use, you know, towers on mountains to mm -hmm. find fires and whatnot. And they have these really cool circular maps. And we went up and, you know, kind of looked at the horizon and figured out how those maps worked. Uh, but uh, to be honest with you now, I've kind of like aged out of <laughs> the young surveyors and uh, we still host some study groups for kids or for us uh, that are trying to still get licensure. And uh, it's a great way for us to stay connected. I get uh, emails from people all over the state kind of looking to see how they uh, can fit in <laughs> in the surveying world. That's very cool. Well, Maine, and as far as I'm, I'm concerned, Maine's always been a very, especially on the education side, um, there at the uh, University of Maine, um, is it the, is it the central campus where the, I think um, and I, I can never get the name right. Uh, it starts with an O. Yeah, Orono. Yeah. Or Orono. Yeah. Okay. I, I never know how to pronounce it. Kind of like some of the the, the uh, Massachusetts Boston stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, I feel. Go ahead. It's, yeah, I feel very lucky to be in Maine. I do think spatially, Maine is a leader in a lot of aspects. Um, the University of Maine and Orono 
does have an excellent uh, geospatial program for surveying. Um, we the University of Maine um, in Gorham has uh, the GIS side. And then we have some excellent companies here in the state too, uh, you know, Blue Marble Geographics, who has a, a world presence in the geospatial uh, community. We have a couple of other really excellent top-notch uh, geospatial organizations here. And uh, I think that that's given me a big advantage to have all of this stuff so close to home for me to learn and grow from. Um, Maine is definitely on the map when it comes to the, the geospatial community, even worldwide. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. So yeah, uh, uh, a quick shout out to the University of Maine with uh, I, somebody's going to be yeah, Knud. Yep, and uh, and now uh, former NSPS director Rich Vinozzi is there. Um, yes, yep. har harassing harassing the young students. So uh, <laughs> so yeah, we uh, went up there um, last spring. I don't know, nearly a year ago now. Geez. Uh, and talk to the students. They were organizing a young surveyors group uh, within the university, and we went up there. Uh, myself and Jim Coburn actually went up and talked to the kids about uh, what we can do as a young surveyors group and some of the opportunities that they had. So there's, um, it's definitely a great, uh, a great university for the geospatial world. Okay, so we bring you into a group of high schoolers that are looking for career advice. What does Miss Cassandra, the licensed surveyor, the GIS professional, what does she tell a group of high schoolers about surveying and GIS? What, what's, what's, what's your elevator speech on the professions? Oh, all right. Um, that's kind of a load question. <laughs> um, it, there, there's a lot to be had. Um, I think if you're first starting out, the best route is to meet up with a surveyor and get your boots on the ground. Start walking you know, through the woods, finding monuments, understanding uh, boundaries and possession lines, and the foundation of the reading a deed and applying it to the surface of the earth. Um, I think that's a great place to start. Uh, and for me, that I kind of started on the, the abstracting side in the registry, you know, put my head down and just reading those deeds. It's, so a lot of the references are um, kind of almost abstract, you know, an elm tree and all of our elm trees are dead. I, uh, when I was working in the registry, one of my favorite reads was a deed up in Eustace, Maine, and it referred to a hole in the ice. So as a surveyor, how am I supposed to find the hole in the ice? Do I have to go in the winter time? Was it a spring or a rock or like what is, what was their intent with that? And um, if you're looking to get into surveying, having that foundation or understanding of deets, I think is very valuable. Um, if you want to take more of the technical route or be on the more GIS side, um, studying and understanding uh, projections and datums, and that the technical math side of the gridded systems, um, that's a great place to be. And then the programming side, understanding like the different languages to be able to code and program software to uh, use it, how you need to be able to leverage, leverage it. Uh, so I, 
people or high schoolers want to get into surveying, hook up with the surveyor, go out into the field, start digging holes, looking for monuments, um, and understanding what a deed is trying to tell you on the ground. Well, I tell you what, I think that message coming from someone like you that's had all of these things go go in their career, I that to me is a powerful message. Um, uh, that uh, I can't I can't thank you enough for 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 agreeing to to tell your story because you are you. Um, I, I'm just going to say it right here, right now. We're going to hear more. We're going to hear lots more of of, of Miss Cassandra in in the in the in the coming years, um, mm -hmm. because she's she's a rock star. She really is, and uh, it's it's well, it's uh, all that you've accomplished so far in your career, and uh, like I said, providing such a role model for uh, our youth to follow us. Because I mean, that's obviously part of what the the profession needs right now is to find. That next generation of surveyors, and they're going, they're going to come from all walks of life. And uh, for anyone to tell a, a young a young woman that she can't do it, um, I'm staring at one right now that I wouldn't have the guts to tell her she couldn't do it because she did it. <laughs> yeah, I dare you. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, well, I tell you what, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll. Uh, I, like I said, I know we'll be hearing more from you soon, especially with the uh, with the, your full. Full range of knowledge so uh um any parting mm -hmm. parting words you'd like to say for the future surveyors oh man um i guess one last thing uh keep good notes uh keep track of what you did uh how you got to your conclusions and being able to look back and review that and have confidence in how you got to that decision um i think that's a, a great tool and keeping track of those those notes think benefits a young young professional immensely she is wise beyond her age i mean good notes yes absolutely surveyors need to uh, <laughs> unfortunately with data collectors it's become a lost art and you are absolutely on point so well cassandra we thank you and we'll, we'll be talking thank to you, you again someday uh very soon and uh that'll wrap that'll wrap it up here for surveyor says this week um, stay tuned for the next few weeks. We've got uh, more exciting stories like Cassandra's that, uh, you know what, you, there's a lot of young women out there that are, that are surveying that it's very, very exciting. So uh, stay tuned. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says podcast brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.